so here we are in the final week of a four-week-long, five-week-long series in Romans, which is uber short in its own right, but, um, but here we are in the last week. So how many, I don't, golly, I hate, uh, I don't know how to start this thing off. I really don't. I mean, I have words down here, but I don't know. That doesn't mean that I'm going to follow them at all. So <clears throat> I don't know how many of you have ever been around, like, a lot of church conflict or even a church split. And it can be really a tragic thing. It can have a long-lasting negative impact on people's walk with Christ. Um, Jesus is with us through those times and through those things. But it's really tragic when some of those things are over just the silliest of circumstances. I, I, I've heard of a, this is no joke, I've heard of a church split that happened because a new pastor not knowing went to a church picnic and picked up a piece of chicken and took a bite and said to the person that cooked it, that is the best chicken I've ever had in my life, and offended somebody else. Amen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that started a rift between the church, and a group of people left over a compliment. For it's, that's crazy, but then there's more common things that can separate and divide us, things like, like music. Music can really separate. I mean... I know plenty of churches that are kind of together but split because they worship in the same space, but they don't really know each other in that same space. They have different times for different types of services, and they cross each other's paths and frown at each other maybe at best. They try and, you know, usually keep it half an hour between those services so that they don't have to see each other. Um, so, and I'm not trying to make light of that. It's just, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. I have a friend that started a band, and he was living up north of Seattle, and the band actually got a lot of traction and did re really, they got pretty popular. And they wanted to really be not just a, a Christian worship band. They wanted to, to cross over within the, the, the rock and roll world. And they found, again, a lot of success. You might have, some of you may have heard of them before. They originally called Thread. And, and then they later became known as Wide Awake um, because there was some kind of copyright problems with the name Thread that they didn't look into. And once they got big enough, they had issues with that. So, but they were really kind of, pushed aside by many of the people within the church that, that they went to because of the kind of music that they played. Nobody wanted to pay attention to the lyrics or the music, the, the message itself, but it was just because it was rock and roll music, people weren't willing to embrace them. Very similar problems harmonica players have, I hear. So, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> But harmonica music is just too downbeat. I mean, it's like, man, it's dark stuff. I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Love you. <laughs> so, but we, we hear about this stuff that divides us, and it's sometimes just, it's tragic and it's serious, but it's oftentimes silly. Sometimes it's not, though. Sometimes we show up, and we just have, we just have a lot of stuff. We got a lot of life. We got a lot of experiences. We've got a lot of things that have set our minds to think about things in a particular way, and they might not be right. And we have to slowly learn to let go of some of those things. Many of you have had maybe different church experiences, and you've gotten really used to one particular thing. That's a little what's going on with the music when that happens. We just get used to stuff, and we're not really all that willing to let ourselves be moved and our minds be enlightened and think about things a little bit different. This isn't a new problem. 
it's not a new problem for music. It's not a new problem for a lot of different things. Certainly Paul was dealing with this not over music, but over something else, some things else, as he's writing to this group of Christians in Rome, some of whom were Jews, some of whom were Gentiles, trying to get along from two worlds that were radically different in many ways from one another. Many customs were radically different, and now they're trying to figure out this unity in Jesus thing. And Paul speaks some words of great wisdom repeatedly to these folks, reminding them, among other things, as we already talked about, we're justified by faith. We're all the same in that. You know, we're all the same in that. We can, we can all know that we stand right before God, not because we were born to the right family or in the right country or the right gender or have the right nationality, but because of faith. Well, let's, let me read from you. I want to read, it's actually all of 14 and part of 15. So, again, this is Paul writing in Romans. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat the one, might not, must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, and other considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the, be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 
Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good and build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul's basic point, stop making a big deal about things that are not a big deal. When you do, that's a big deal. Don't judge your brother or sister by what they eat or drink, or by what they don't eat or drink. Except for the paleo folks. <laughs> No, don't, we can't do that, right? We've got to grow up. Don't, don't do it by what they eat or by what they drink and, and or by what day they find to be special. Some apparent, apparently, some of the Jewish people in this community were excluding others because they ate anything. And others were excluding them because they would not eat anything. Doesn't make for much of a friendly meal, does it? Wouldn't work over real well at gather. <laughs> tell you that much. And it's important, too, that when Paul talks about those that have a weaker faith or that have a stronger faith, that we, that we understand what he's getting at, that we all can grow and mature, that there are some things that we probably need to come to grips with and embrace, but when people put their thumb on us and just push, we don't, we don't respond well. To grow in faith, we have to live in grace and live in God's love and mercy. And also, too, it's not a matter of just not eating meat. It's knowing that you could. You still might choose not to, but it's the, 
the strong one is the one that, that knows that they could. Right? It doesn't mean that they are going to. There's a lot of people that are vegetarians, but they're not vegetarians because I think somehow it puts them in a better privileged position with God. But rather, they understand that, go ahead, eat meat. I don't care, but I choose not to. It's fine that you do. I don't have a problem with that. I could open up a can of worms there, but I'm not going to. Worms aren't vegetarian, though. So, <laughs> But this was a big deal. Like, like I mentioned earlier that sometimes we just get a lot of, we have a lot of experiences in our lives that kind of ingrain a particular way of thinking about our lives, thinking about our faith, thinking about our God. And the heritage of Jews was food purity, was hugely important to them. If you remember the story of, of Daniel, Daniel is in Babylon, and he is wanting to not defile himself with the foods of the foreigners that he's living amongst in Babylon. And so he and his buddies, Shadmach, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, choose to <laughs> eat vegetables. I know, it's a billy goat. They, they choose to eat vegetables because they don't want to defile themselves with the potential of eating other food, which is interesting as a side note, because that was still food prepared by non-Jewish people, which created some issues. But that was still speaking to them honoring what God had called them to do, and that was to not eat any unclean meat. It had to be prepared in a particular way. It had to be specific kinds of food. They were trying to honor God and what they were doing. And this is part of their heritage. Everybody looked to a guy like Daniel and said, like, yeah, that's it. That's the guy. He's, like, amazing the way that he maintained his faith in the midst of a tumultuous situation, in the midst of a country that was messing with his worship, in the midst of a pluralistic society where maybe Yahweh might be thrown in as one God amongst many others, maybe. So that's... That's pretty weighty. I mean, imagine growing up your whole life, and that's like a key story, and this dude just was a vegetable eater. Ate nothing that wasn't clean. And this is somebody you look up to, and then all of a sudden somebody shows up and says, eh, don't worry about it. That's all right. As a matter of fact, if you don't realize that you can eat meat, regardless of how it's prepared, or where it's been, or who made it, it's okay. And that it doesn't matter what exactly it is. It could be on that list because the Jews had lists of food that was off limits. Lobster, imagine that. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine a world without lobster? <laughs> well, you can pass it over to me, brother. <laughs> can you imagine somebody showing up and saying in the midst of that that eating and drinking is, is not a matter of the kingdom of God if that was your history? Or can you imagine if you were a Gentile, a Roman person, your whole life growing up, and you experienced these crazy Jews that don't eat shellfish, among other things. And they're all concerned about everything that they ingest. Like, my goodness, what is wrong with you? And then somebody shows up in that context and says, yeah, it doesn't matter. And you're like, yeah, I told you it doesn't matter. Golly, come on, you fools. Well, this is what's going on with Paul, these two groups of people getting on each other, not being nice to each other. The Jews had their story that they had to deal with. And the early church Gentiles had theirs. And they needed to learn to treat one another gently. 
Paul himself, as we learn here, came to believe as a Jew that nothing in itself is unclean. Therefore, all foods could be consumed. And likely, in keeping, although he doesn't say this, but in keeping, probably viewed that all days were equally holy. That you could worship God on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday maybe. Now, like all days are worthy of God's worship and we can gather together. One day doesn't need to be more sacred than another. However, he does not argue for everyone to have the same perspective as him. He just states his and then he lets there be room. doesn't argue for everyone to embrace this notion. At least not here. That's not his point. So the point isn't trying to argue for food purity. He simply calls those on both sides, those who eat only veggies and those who eat meat, to stop quarreling about it. He calls them to agree to stop harming one another, to stop disrespecting one another, to quit taking this issue as something that's so easily gotten over for somebody that's been living this way their whole life. He wants them to see that these aren't kingdom matters, eating and drinking, but, and importantly, they are disregarding true kingdom matters by quarreling. Act in love, he says in verse 15. Act toward one another in love. And you're quarreling about the legalities of eating. You're disregarding love. Something that if you're actually living it, this call to love, does not do harm to his brothers and sisters. If, if, you, if you really love one another, you, you don't want to do harm to one another. You don't want to hurt each other. You don't want to put people in an emotional state of distress. Quarreling about what's for dinner is not love. In refusing to accommodate one another, Listen to this. In refusing to accommodate one another, even if you are technically right, in a matter like this, you're wrong. If you want to eat only veggies, okay. If you want them to eat meat, okay. Goodness, to those who have come to grips with eating anything, if you think your faith is strong, Paul is saying, then use your perspective that allows you to eat anything to eat whatever you want as long as it doesn't get in the way of your brother or sister and destroy them. If you're saying it doesn't matter, then don't let it matter. Go home and eat some meat. And go out with your friends and have some vegetables. <laughs> you certainly don't have to walk down the street flaunting your pork products. Right? <laughs> in front of your friends that don't think it's okay. Don't make this non-kingdom issue something that gets in the way of those who don't yet feel comfortable doing it. For those who think something is unclean for them, it is, Paul writes. Well, that's interesting. What in the world is Paul talking about? For those who think something is unclean for them, it is. It's, it's kind of simple. 
If you think that something's unclean, you will endure your mental ramification, the mental ramifications of working through having come near it or eaten it or having somebody eat it near you. you. You have to go through that process. And it wouldn't, for a Jew, be a very easy process to work through. Peter, in Acts, we hear of how God called him to the Gentiles, and he calls a big old sheet, is described as let down out of heaven with every kind of animal in it, clean and unclean alike. And he says to Peter, go and eat. And then Peter goes on this journey following actually the footsteps of uh, of. Oh, shucks. Should have had this in my notes. He was swallowed by a whale. Jonah, Jonah that's right. There we go. Uh, easy giveaway, right, Jonah? Huh? Swallowed by a whale. We only know one of those guys in the Bible. Following the footsteps of Jonah, actually, Peter does. Why? Because Peter and Jonah were both called the Gentiles whom they did not want to go to. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating to follow Peter's journey to Joppa. I know, right? I know. What can I say? It's all good. For those who think something is unclean, it is. If you lived that way your whole life, avoiding certain foods, it wouldn't just be a snap of a finger to get over it. The struggles that you would have dealing with being able to eat it would be overwhelming and quite probably a distraction from things that really, truly matter. So let me ask you a question then. Is it important for people to join Paul in his understanding that all food is clean? Because he doesn't want to make a big deal about it to those who don't. But do you think Paul would say it would be good for you ultimately to come to the conclusion that all food is clean? I would say it is important, but it is not essential. It's part of what Paul is getting at here. It's, it's important, but it's not essential. We can be one and have this disagreement. This isn't going to be something that should divide us. It should be something we can work out. If you're, again, going to say that to you it doesn't matter, well, then what is the big deal? Just let it go. This isn't an issue that we need to make a, a mountain out of. He's obviously allowing room for people to be kingdom people with the, I guess, misunderstanding of some foods being off limits. So it's not essential for people to share his opinion that all foods are clean. What is necessary, and I'm sorry to just overstate this, but is that people come to the understanding that what you're eating and or drinking is not a kingdom matter. Abstaining from or not abstaining from certain foods is not going to keep you from the kingdom, nor is it going to keep you in the kingdom. Simply eating, simply a matter of nourishment, and it's not a kingdom matter beyond that. However, there is a little bit more to say about that. If in order to stop excluding people from the kingdom, you need to come to the point of seeing all foods as clean, it's probably a pretty important point. This is one of those things that I think Peter struggled with that may have kept him from being as willing as he should have been to go to the Gentiles. He and Paul had a little bit of a debate about this very topic. And I wanted to go there tonight, but I'm not going to. I took it out of the notes. 
This is particularly important for those early Jews who were in leadership because they had to work within a community of people who were both Jews and Gentiles alike. That that was what God was up to. He was creating one people out of two people. And if you were going to be in a position of leadership where there were going to be two people, you probably needed to come to grips with that one half of those two people were going to be eating things that you didn't grow up eating, and you're going to have to be okay with it, embracing that all food is clean. Of course, we don't really have that problem. But we do have a problem with making things that are not kingdom things out to be kingdom things. And that has the effect of keeping the kingdom from flourishing in our world. And I don't want to put ourselves in too much of a position to make that happen or not make that happen because that's God's business to bring the kingdom. But at the same time, we somehow can either get in the way of it and be a stumbling block to people, or we can get out of the way and let it come right into our midst. We somehow have an impact of having it flourish or not flourish. And when we make things out to be kingdom things that are not kingdom things, again, we get in the way of that. Paul states what some of the kingdom things are. Love, righteousness, peace, and joy. Love. I wonder, are there things that are not kingdom things made out to be kingdom things by the church today? We already talked about a couple of them. We'll return to it in a second. But there are still groups of people that, for food, it's a big deal. There are still some churches that would argue that you should be eating a, a kosher diet. It's interesting. There are some that would argue strongly that there's a very specific day of the week that you need to worship, and they're not usually here tonight. <laughs> Although there's another group of people that say that this is the night or the day, and they don't mix very well. They don't get along, unfortunately, very well. Music, one we talked about earlier. I don't know how many of you are in this room or well, some of you are plenty old <laughs> to remember this. <laughs> To remember this, but like the putting a drum set on a stage or putting a guitar on a stage, oh my goodness, that we're talking like some serious stuff coming down when that went on, right? Oh, yeah. I, I remember it in the little church I grew up in. It was organ, organ and the piano. That's right. Just like, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Baby Grand. <laughs> Baby Jesus, baby grand. <laughs> People split, divide, argue, and I wonder what does that look like to the world when they see the church arguing about whether or not you can play a, a guitar in front of your community. Or, or other, maybe lesser known things, but probably in some sense, I know there are some here that have been touched by this one. What you wear, the clothes you wear. You have to dress a certain way to go to church. And if you don't dress that way, you're not welcome to go to church there. There are people in this room that have been kicked out of churches for what they were wearing. It's tragic. It's sad. I was talking to a friend of mine who um, is a local guy, and their congregation has struggled in the past and, and with attendance. And the church does crazy things when, the, when people struggle for attendance. It's not always pretty. And... One of the things he did, of, he's, he's now in his 70s, and he came and he said, you know what I think really has to happen? 
we could really start filling the pews again if men would start wearing suits to church. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, okay, okay, all right, all right, what are you saying about me? <laughs> I'm like, he, he, the guy, I love him, he like meant really well, but I don't think that's going to solve the problems of a, of a church. Or, or if some of you grew up in a liturgical tradition, some people hate it, some people love it, and sometimes that can split the church, whether they're going to do the liturgy or not do the liturgy. Or, or chair colors. That's a great one to split a church over or cause a rift, right? Right, carpet color, wall colors. Yeah. That's like back in the day when we were putting carpet in here. I just didn't ask anybody. <laughs> they didn't like it. It was too bad. <laughs> we got the stuff that was the cheapest we could find. <laughs> and then we just got chairs that kind of went along with the walls. <laughs> Let's not make a big deal about it and then... Yeah. Or, or, or having stuff. Having stuff can make people feel welcome and or not welcome, right? Some people will just feel like they can't belong to a particular church if they don't drive the right car into the parking lot. You've got to get there early and park way off in the corner, walk in, but nobody knows I drove that, and stick around late and vacuum the carpet nobody likes so that I can be the last one going back out and getting into my car so that nobody knows. Ah, But here's the thing. Even when we can say that those things are wrong and misplaced, and we, we, we can't freak out. We can't freak out. I couldn't freak out at my friend that said, I think everybody should start wearing suits and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You are an idiot, right? I can't do that. Because wearing a suit or not wearing a suit isn't the point. Yeah, you could. <laughs> We've already talked beyond that original conversation. Because the clothes that he wore, he can wear a suit, that's fine. Wearing a suit or not wearing a suit doesn't matter any more than what food you're going to eat. What color the walls are, I don't care if you think that they should be blue or purple or white or yellow or you want to try, we've got to be peacemakers in the middle of those situations. That's what we really have to be. We can't just come down hard on people that want to stir up controversy. Because that kind of putting your thumb on somebody and pushing back only makes them do what? Dig their heels in harder. But if we can come to somebody and just say, hey, you know what? It's not about, it's not about that. It's, it's not about what day we worship. Can we talk? Because I'm okay with you worshiping on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon. Or, I don't care as long as you're worshiping the Lord because we worship that one same Lord. Or I don't care if you have a fancy car or don't have a fancy car or think that everybody has to have a fancy car. Let's talk about that. I'm not going to try and tell you I'm better than you are because I don't have that same exact perspective that you share that might not be very mature. I'm going to, as Paul encourages us, if we think we're strong to help those that are weak, to build them up, to not in the midst of trying to deal with people that have a problem with the kind of music that are played, so dismiss them as a person that I become the one who breaks the most important command to love. To love. 
I got to read my notes for a second. This would not be a good idea. If someone wants to make a big deal about not liking the carpet color, don't think you can change their mind by carrying around a swatch of carpet to show them every time you see them. <laughs> oh, by the way, you don't like this color, do you? <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? I would, if I was on the other end of that, I would just like, if I was the one the carpet was shown, I would, it would so captivate me, I'd be so willing to change my mind. Right, not. That's not the way that change takes place or peace or unity happens. When we start making things that are not things, things, or responding as if they were things to people who think that they're things, if that makes sense, I hope it does to you, we, we fail. We blow it. We blow it. Growth happens in us through watering and careful pruning. Not through showing up all angry with a chainsaw. It happens through watering and careful pruning, being cared for, being loved, being nourished. Again, the Jews of the early church had their story to deal with. And they needed to be treated gently. The early church Gentiles, they had their stories to deal with. And they needed to be treated gently. And we have ours. We have our stories. And we need to be treated gently. And we need to treat one another gently. Remember the kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy. Most of all, love. Or as, as Eugene Peterson puts it, for goodness sake, the kingdom of God, God is not a matter of what you put in your stomach. It's not a matter of the color of the carpet. That's, that's me. Or the day you worship, or the clothes you wear, or the instruments you play, or the car you drive, or don't. It's not about the liturgy you do or don't recite. It is about what God does with your life as he sets you right. As he puts your life together. And as he completes it with joy. Your single task is to serve single-mindedly like Christ. So let's agree to use all of our energy, not in dividing ourselves, but in working to get along. Let's help each other, not with harsh words, but with encouraging words. Let's pray. Oh my goodness, Heavenly Father, sometimes I just think about what you're doing in taking such diverse people and mixing them together. And it sounds beautiful to be diverse, and it sounds terrifying at the same time. But it's good. Thank you for teaching us through one another. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know what things are truly kingdom things and what things we 
we need to take a firm stand on and what things just really don't matter and we can let go of in either direction. Unify us. Holy Spirit, unite us. Bring us together as one. Help us to lovingly serve like you serve. To love like you love. To give ourselves like you gave yourself to us. Remembering that huh, when you gave yourself for us, we probably had way more in common with the world than we have in common with you. And you speak gently to us and tenderly to us and you water us and you prune us gentleness and you help us to become like you. Help us to have that way about us, Lord God. Bring your church together. We love you. Amen.